The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders, and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandments of God and hold to human tradition. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile them, but the things that come out of a person are what defiles them. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The Gospel of the Lord. In today's culture, we sometimes hear a person say, I am spiritual, but not religious. Or to be put another way, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. According to the Pew Research Center, one-third of Americans under the age of 30 are unaffiliated with any organized religion, and yet they identify themselves as spiritual. And this number continues to grow year by year. Now, generally, the difference is that those who claim to be spiritual would look at the interior life of the heart, feelings, emotions, perhaps personal encounter with the divine. But they would see organized religion as burdened or laden with rules and doctrines, teachings and dogmas and tradition, authority. And they would say it's oppressive. It doesn't give them the opportunity to grow in their own idea of what God is or the divine. And this comes from a certain predisposition to see the center of the self as authoritative, this individualism. So it pervades this whole notion of being spiritual but not religious. They would see ritual practice and rules and so on as stifling their growth. Well, I bring this up today because not only is this a pressing problem, especially among our young people, and it's growing, but our readings today actually answer this objection. So let's look at the readings, starting from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Notice what God says to the people through Moses. 
Give heed to the statutes and ordinances that I teach you to observe, so that you may live to enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Keep the commandments of the Lord your God, with which I am charging you. You must observe them diligently, for this will show your wisdom and discernment to the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely, this great nation is a wise and discerning people. So at least from God's perspective, he sees structure and rules and commandments as a good thing because they come from him. But let's just bring this down to a common sense level in our own lives. Say you were an avid chess player. You love the game of chess. The question is, if chess had no rules, so you could move any piece anywhere on the board at any time, whether it's the queen or the rook or a pawn, what would that do to the game? Without rules, there would be just chaos and no structure. It wouldn't be competitive and it wouldn't be fun. There would be no game. And we could bring this to any other sport, like hockey and baseball and football and tennis. They all have their rules. In tennis, you've got to keep the ball within the certain lines. There's a whole series of rules that make the game fun. We can extend this analogy to, let's say you want to play an instrument, let's say a piano. You can't simply sit down and bang the keys and expect a hymn to come out. You've got to conform yourself to the rules. You've got to learn to read music and know the scales and the chords and so on. Let's extend it further and say you wanted to learn a new language. Again, you can't just simply speak another language. You have to learn the syntax and the grammar, idioms, vocabulary, enter into the whole structure of language. It's the same with traffic regulations. If there were no stop signs or red lights or speed limits, it would be chaos. So rules and structure actually are for our benefit. We know that. It's for our flourishing. So if that's the way it is with our own ordinary lives, why should we think it's any different when it comes to our life of faith? Another objection could be raised here by a person who says, I'm spiritual but not religious. They could say, okay, but who gives you the right to set the rules? How do I know these are the correct rules? What gives you the authority? Why should I abide by them? I have my own take on spirituality. And again, the answer is found in our reading. So let's now look at the second reading from St. James. He says, God gave us birth by the word of truth. Again, it's from God. It's his word. He goes on to say, welcome with meekness the implanted word of God that has the power to save your souls. And be doers of the word, not just hearers who deceive themselves. What's God's word that is at the heart of the structure of religion? Now, for Catholics, as you know, the word of God is both sacred scripture and sacred tradition, both of which are laden with rules. You go into the Old Testament, you've got the Ten Commandments, all kinds of rules. Go into the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount is filled with all kinds of particular 
rules about how to relate to people and even enemies and to God. To make matters even more clear, St. James defines what religion really is. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So it's not just a private interior experience of the divine that makes us spiritual. It's rather, and this is the answer you should give to someone who says, I'm spiritual but not religious. First of all, you should say, well, yes, everyone is spiritual because we are created in God's image and likeness. And God is spirituality in an infinite way. So if we're created in his image and likeness, we have a spiritual nature, we have a soul, and we have a spiritual drive. But how have we allowed our spiritual nature to be shaped by religion? That's the function of religion. That's the function of the rules, the dogmas, the traditions. They take our spiritual nature and they bring it into conformity with God's word. It's not an either-or, I'm spiritual but not religious, it's a both-and. In fact, the word religion comes from the root word ligio, from which we get the word ligament. And you know what ligament is? It holds the muscles to the bone in the human body. Religion is what brings together, it connects, it binds, it reattaches. And what it's meant to do is bring the spiritual nature that we have and connect it to the very heart of God, who lavishes us with these rules and doctrines in scripture and tradition. When we marry those two, then we have what God desires. The thing to avoid, and Jesus makes note of this in the gospel, there's a real temptation, and the scribes and Pharisees really fell into this. They wanted to have their own way. So they created human traditions, human traditions that were designed to get around the commandments of God. One of the commandments is to honor your father and your mother, which means when they're getting older, you provide for them financially. Well, if you read the chapter seven, now parts of it are cut out in today's lectionary, but if you read that chapter, what Jesus is really getting at here, it's not so much the purity laws of washing hands. What the Pharisees are doing is they have this human tradition called korban, and korban means dedicated to God. And so they say to their parents, yes, we have lots of money and we should be caring for you, but the money we have is korban. It's dedicated to the temple in which God dwells. And of course, the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sanhedrin, they govern the temple. So it's a neat way to get around what God commanded them. Jesus says that's one of many human traditions that you have imposed, and that is what's causing the people to go astray. So that's the temptation for religion, in a sense. But thank God that we have sacred scripture, sacred tradition. Yes, there are human traditions, which can be like customs and things that are not binding and, and change. But it's sacred scripture and sacred tradition that bind our spiritual nature. And then together, we have that wonderful experience of being 
in God's will. We have this rich interior experience, but we live it out. We care for the orphan, the widow. We care for the poor. And we don't cheat our neighbor. And that's what makes religion beautiful. So next time you have that objection from a young person, I'm spiritual but not religious, point out James chapter 1, where God defines religion in a very particular way. And then also that first reading, where God, again, talks about rules, regulations, structures, and says, this is what I want you to do. Religion is the binding together, and that's why we have communion. We're called to come together. We are the body of Christ, after all. There's no separation between the head and members. Christ and his body of the church are one. Being spiritual and religious are one. And that's what makes religion, again, beautiful.